0: Hey everyone, Keegan here, one of the curators of Allowed. This article is by Arya Altina, and it dives into a case study about a small Russian mining town called Nikel. It's an interesting look into how humans build cities for different purposes and under different economic constraints, and I hope you enjoy. Nikel and Nikel Materiality, compiled by Arya Altina. Nikel is a small Russian mining city near the border with Norway. It was founded in the 1930s after enormous quantities of nickel were found nearby. At the time, the area was Finnish. An in infrastructure for mining the nickel was built in the 1930s with help from Canadian companies. Mining operations began in 1940. In 1944, Nikel became part of the Soviet Union after the Red Army defeated Finland. Nowadays, slightly more than 12,000 people live in Nikel. The Norlisk nickel smelter dominates the city. It was responsible for wide-scale pollution in the 1980s that destroyed much of the surrounding nature. Since then, pollution levels are lower. Though walking through Nikkel when a northern wind is blowing, often leaves the taste of sulfur. On first visit, Nikkel, with its blocks of flats, vacant buildings, heavy industry, the smelter, and the boiler house, looks like the perfect location for a post-apocalyptic film. But looking closer reveals many different, warmer, and humane aspects as well. We have visited Nikkel numerous times with the Dark Ecology Project and have grown fond of it. Two years ago, we met the Russian architect, Tatyana Gorbaskaya in Amsterdam. She was born and raised in Nikkel. Meeting her led to a dark ecology commission, the research project, Nikel Materiality. In Nikel Materiality, Tatyana Gorbarskaya and Katya Lorena, a Russian specialist on Soviet close cities, meticulously investigate the materials and textures of Nikel. More precisely, Nikel Materiality explores Nikel through the lens of its materials and textures. They developed a model which captures the interactions between the architecture of Nikel, the historical development, and the harsh environment, the Arctic climate. In Soviet times, Nikel was a planned mono industrial city. The infrastructures, both material heating, for instance, and immaterial higher wages, longer holidays, and good facilities were well cared for. It was a city protected by an invisible dome. The planning hardly took the environmental consequence into account. Gorbeskaya and Lorena argue in their research that Nikel became a prime example of a city that is alienated from its natural environment. They describe Nikel as a city in a bubble, protected by and therefore isolated by top down state control for many years. This Nikel is a structure which can be artificially and technologically reproduced anywhere. It's a place which denies its environment and is no longer related to its geological or climate context. After the fall of the Soviet Union, Nikel was very much left to its own devices, and the urban structures, now poorly maintained, interacted with the environment. Through this interaction, new textures and materials became part of the city. During the second dark ecology journey, Tatyana Gorbachskaya and Katya Lorena present their initial research and guided groups of people through the city, pointing out interesting aspects in the architecture and urban structure. A booklet catalogued the materials and described the analytical model they developed. They consider the artifacts they collected as objects from a cabinet of curiosities, as samples of unique ecology which emerged under the protective dome, and were transformed when the dome collapsed. They classified about 2,000 artifacts using the ecological theory of John T. Lyle, which he proposed in his book, Designed for Human Ecosystems. The artifacts and material samples are grouped according to four themes. The slag, self-organizing boundaries, energy infrastructures, and historical clash. The slag is a material, a copper-nickel dust, a byproduct of smelting nickel ore. It's everywhere in Nickel. Self-organizing boundaries is a group of artifacts that illustrates the boundaries of competing patterns of existing ecosystems within Nikel's ecology. Under energy infrastructures, they collected all the artifacts related to the life support mechanisms of Nikel. Historical Clash contains the artifacts related to Nikel's history. The city was shaped by successive ideological paradigms of Soviet and the post-Soviet times. This includes five periods, the Finnish era of the city's development, the post-World War II Stalin era, the Khrushchev era, the Brezhnev era, and the post-Soviet era. Each of these periods can be identified in the city, but they argue these historical epics do not exist separately in different city districts, as in most Russian cities. Nikel's architecture incorporates structures and experiences from previous periods, thus creating a sort of bizarre overlay of the historical layers, where in one building we can see the imprint of different epics. Through the catalog of artifacts, they present Nikel as a material system, or as they state, as a multiscalar expression of the new material which appeared and evolved in the city fabric. The research is now available on the Dark Ecology website, which contains their analytical model, a catalog, and an interactive map. Series of photos trace how different materials emerged in Nikel. On a micro scale, these show the physical properties of the materials, and on a macro scale, they indicate the socio economic processes of the city as well as the environmental processes of the region. Through the exploration of the materiality of Nikel, Gorberskaya and Lorena reveal the emergent symbiosis in Nikel of the natural environment and alien materials brought in through human activity. Nikel definitely is an example of an extreme Anthropocene landscape. The latest dark ecology book, Living Earth, includes an interview by Marina Belena with Tatyana Gorbarskaya and Katya Lorena about their research. Here is an excerpt from the conversation. Belena asked, so we could see the city as a living system? Katya Lorena responded, "Nikel was initially set up as a very artificial system, controlled top-down by the state. But in time, it started behaving and expressing itself as a real living organism. All of its components, including the materials from which it is built, are changing and evolving to adapt to the transforming conditions. All materials behave dynamically in Nikel. They degrade faster than elsewhere. Nature is quite aggressive. It's all about the energy the city shares with nature, and for which it competes with nature. Tatyana Gorbaskaya added, This city is slowly opening up to its environment, and this process is a self-organizing process. No one controls it. Belina asks, what about the pollution from the smelter? Gorbyskaya responded, the main ecological damage happened in the 1980s when the company started smelting a non-local material, the nickel ore, imported from Norlisk, the mining city further to the east in Russia, with a high concentration of sulfur and dioxide. It killed almost all the vegetation around the city with just a couple years. Another case of major damage was the collapse of the Soviet Union in the 1990s. That had an even worse impact on Nakau. The city lost its source of social security and its future perspective. People started to leave the city. It's still possible to trace the scars of these processes to the material tissue of Nakau. It's a city fighting to survive. Nature is slowly recovering because the company now processes local ore. The city is also starting to take on its proper size so it is stabilizing. Let's hope. Belina asks, You said in your lecture in nikel during the second dark ecology journey that one of the interesting parts of your research was the perception of the city as an infrastructural element. Could you elaborate on that? Lurina explains, Infrastructure creates comfortable spaces for people. An example is the heating infrastructure. Nikel needs such a comprehensive life-support infrastructure because it is located in such a hostile environment. It was supported by infrastructure for a long time, but at some point in the 1990s, when it stopped functioning properly and had to interact with nature, it began falling apart. It transformed and developed another life. In other cities, these life-support infrastructures are not visible. They are hidden below the surface. But here, their presence above surface emphasizes the city's artificiality. Gorbatskaya continues, In the Arctic, the most important thing is the artificial energy network. Nikel's emergency infrastructure requires very high maintenance. It is a high resource-consuming component of the city. For example, in Soviet times, buildings were regularly painted in bright colors so that the residents did not suffer from color starvation. Now, because of the low-maintenance financing and harsh climactic conditions, all the layers of the paint on the facades have cracked to expose the surface beneath them. Also, heating pipes are not underground in Nikel; They are built above ground because of the permafrost. It's like an exposed, artificial organism. You see the flow, the veins. That's how we set up our map of Nikel. We tried to show the infrastructure veins of the city. Belina asks, did you present your insights about Nikel to locals? Lorena explains, yes, we had a presentation in Nikel for the local people. For us, the process of environmental degradation indicates an evolutionary process of the city's artificial system, revealing its qualities. For the inhabitants, it's mostly a personal tragedy. We were worried that we would be misunderstood, but surprisingly, we had quite a positive response. Gorbyskaya continues, A teacher from the art school pointed out one more important energy resource in Nikel, another important recess of Nikel materiality, the people. And that is true, they are really the driving force of the city. Hope you enjoyed this narration. As always, if there's a genre of content, or a specific piece of writing you'd like to receive in a future issue, just shoot us an email. Look forward to seeing you again soon.